Greetings, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia on October the 5th of 2015 at approximately 6.28 in the evening. I just want to briefly mention to those that are new, I seek for God to lead me in a passage of scripture which I meditate on. Um, for a brief time, and then immediately thereafter, in most cases, I preach a message trusting God to give me the words to speak out of the Spirit of God to the body of Christ. I'm now doing brief messages and once in a while longer ones. These brief ones should be around 15 minutes long. Today I received Second Chronicles, Chapter 26, By the Casting of Lots. First, I'll just briefly read this passage of Scripture. Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Zibiah of Beersheba. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. And Jehoiada took for him two wives, and he begat sons and daughters. And it came to pass after this that Joaz was minded to repair the house of the Lord. And he gathered together the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out unto the cities of Judah and gather all of Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year. And see that ye hasten the matter, albeit the Levites hastened it not. And the king called for Jehoiada the chief, and said unto him, Why hast thou not required of the Levites to bring in out of Judah and out of Jerusalem the collection, according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and of the congregation of Israel for the tabernacle of witness? For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken up the house of God, and also the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Balaam. And at the king's commandment they made a chest and set it without at the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation through Judah and Jerusalem to bring into the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, laid upon Israel in the wilderness. And all the princes and all the people rejoiced and brought in and cast in the chest until they had made an end. Now it came to pass that at what time the chest was brought unto the king's office by the hand of the Levites, when they saw that there was much money, the king's scribe and the high priest's officer came and emptied the chest and took it and carried it to his place again. Thus they did day by day, and gathered money in abundance. And the king and Jehoiada gave it to such as did the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord, and also such as wrought iron and brass to mend the house of the Lord. So the workmen wrought, and the work was perfected by them. And they set the house of God in his state and strengthened it, when they had finished it, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada, whereof were made vessels for the house of the Lord, even vessels to minister, and to offer with all and spoons and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada.
But Jehoiada waxed old, and was full of days when he died, and hundred and thirty years old was he when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and toward his house. Now after the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah and made obeisance to the king. Then the king hearkened unto them, and they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served groves and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for their trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not give ear. And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And they conspired against him and stoned him with the stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joas, the king, remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but slew his son. And when he died, he said, The Lord look upon it and require it. And it came to pass at the end of the year that the hosts of Syria came up against him, and they came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the princes of the people from among the people, and sent all the spoil of them unto the king of Damascus. For the army of the Syrians came with a small company of men, and the Lord delivered a very great host into their hand, because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. So they executed judgment against Joash. And when they were departed from him, for they left him in great diseases, his own servants conspired against him for the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest, and slew him on his bed, and he died. And they buried him in the city of David, but they buried him not in the sepulchres of the kings. And these are they that conspired against him, Zabad the son of Shimeath, an Ammonitus, and Jehozabad the son of Shimereth, a Moabitus. Now concerning his sons, and the greatness of the burdens laid upon him, and the repairing of the house of God, behold, they are written, in the story of the book of the kings, and Amaziah's son reigned in his stead. In this passage of scripture, we have the theme being of the restoration of the house of God. And a warning against those that would be zealous for the restoration of the house of God, that would, as it were, be on the spearhead of the purposes of God in this day and age, for his desire, as it says in the book of Acts, whom the heavens must receive, speaking of Jesus Christ, Yeshua, until the restitution of all things, and it is truly God's desire that we as his people are zealous for the restoration of the house of God. In fact, we should be those that are standing in the gap 
We should be those that are mourning because the walls are torn down, as it were, and the temple has not been restored. That is, the living stones that God is seeking to be brought together in the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace, in the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, that we might be full and complete corporately upon the earth as his bride without spot and wrinkle, prepared for his coming, that we might as individuals and corporately be filled with all the fullness of the presence of God to release his authority and his prosperity through his servants for the coming of his kingdom upon those that are in darkness spiritually, that they may come out of their darkness and become rich spiritually. Yes, it is good to have that zeal. It is good to be given to that, for it says in the word of God that we're to give him no rest until Jerusalem goes forth as a torch that burns. And that's speaking of what should happen in our community, in our city. The Jerusalem and our community in our city is where the body of Christ has come out of the world into a deep unity with God and as a result with one another as well that is not of man where they are open to the full counsel of God, where God is not limited by the ways of man and the hierarchies of man. Where the price is being paid to stand in the gap. That as it says in the word of God, we might be repairers of the breach, restorers of the paths to dwell in. But here in this passage of Scripture, we see that Joas was raised up for the purposes of God to bring restoration of the kingdom of God and also the physical temple of God. And many of us are familiar with the historical account of Athaliah, a very wicked woman that brought Israel into idolatry and how she killed all those that were a threat to take her position of leadership but there was one that was hidden, and it was Joash by Jehoiada the priest. And he kept him hidden for many years. And then there came the appointed time where they announced the declaration that Joash was king, and I believe he was about eight years old or seven years old when that happened. Of course, being tutored and under the leadership of Jehoiada the high priest, who was the one that hid him. And we know that Athaliah was chased out by the soldiers and killed. And Joaz began to reign. And then there became a time of great restoration. And there was the repairing of the temple of God as it is described here in this chapter by Joaz. As long as Jehoiada the priest was alive, Joaz did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But when Jehoiada the priest died, things changed in Joash. 
The word Joash, I looked it up, and what it means is basically Jehovah fired. The first part of the word is the word for Yahweh. But it ends with the letter shit, which in the symbolic language is two teeth clenched together, signifying that which is sharp, that which brings pressure, that which divides. And thus the name Jehovah fired. Or Jehovah, you know, the symbol of, you know, two forces coming together with such force that there's sparks. Jehovah fired. Whereas Jehoiada, the name for the high priest, is Jehovah no one. Good to know that. And also in the proper dictionary of scripture proper names by J.B. Jackson means Jehovah is nowhere for Jehoiada. And for Joash, it can also mean Jehovah has helped according to that dictionary. Or Jehovah has become man. God, by the Spirit, hasn't given me the significance of this at this point, moment as this message is on immediately after I just meditated on it for 12 minutes. Now, what is God saying to the body of Christ? There are many people in the body of Christ that are zealous for the things of God and for the restoration of the church that see all of these things. But the problem is in this process of restoration, there are many that are being raised up as prophets and apostles. But we know that the world this day and age is rife with many that call themselves prophets that are not really prophets of God. as well as apostles. The Lord said to the church of Ephesus in Revelations chapter 2, that thou hast tried them would say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and is born and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first law. So it is possible like it is here, for people like Joash to be zealous for the truth. And they really look up to the leadership that is zealous for the truth and zealous for the restoration of all things. The problem is their identity is more in these spiritual leaders that seem to have so much of God in their lives by the way they live that they put their identity more in the leadership than in their own personal relationship with God. And that was the heir of Joash. It is interesting that today someone sent me a letter about someone that was a so-called prophet that has got lots of articles all over on the Internet, and I happened to just do a search on this prophet 
I didn't get a witness, even though everything he was saying was totally right on and very good about Israel and what's going to happen. I didn't get a witness in my spirit about it. And sure enough, I found out he gave a prophecy some years back. It was totally off the wall. There are people that can call themselves prophets and they can say many good things. And there can even be others that really live the life but they can allow people to put them on a pedestal. And God is calling his people to repent of putting their identity in anything other than their relationship with him personally as well as corporately. I am one in my pilgrimage, being in the body of Christ, that has seen more of this than probably almost all believers. And that's a long story. I will say this. That when this is the case, oh, we think this man prays so much, he fasts so much, he must be a great man of God. But if that individual is allowing people to put him on a pedestal, and if he begins to put people into the mold of what he believes should be happening, which happens usually because others are pushing him in that direction. For example, I've been in meetings where they believe that because uh, of certain things that the real thing nowadays is to enter into holy laughter. But if you come into the meeting and you maintain your integrity before the God and God is not moving you to be like the rest of them, well, you're made to feel like you're less spiritual. You haven't seen the light. That is not of God. That is violating integrity before God and putting identity more in that leader and the evidence of it is that you conform to the way they want you to fit into a mold. It is a denominational mindset in the form of, in the, that develops certain forms of worship that are considered more spiritual than others. And so those that maintain their integrity before God are looked down on, and then they may feel rejected and hurt as well, and they may be persecuted. I have had this happen many times to me because God's led me to movements where there has been zeal for the restoration of the church, and yet it has been coming out of man's Self-sufficiency. The word of God says, except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. The evidence of man's self-sufficiency often is in the fact that 
the leaders of such movements have allowed people to put them on a pedestal. And so they have lifted them up and then there has become pride. And this is what happened to Joash. The elders came before Joash, these men that were great and considered and highly regarded, the leaders, but they were idolatrous and Joash was more concerned about being accepted by them and received by them than in his relationship with God, so he compromised with their desire for idolatry. To the point that the very one that was used, Jehoiada the priest, his son, was martyred by him. At his command, they stoned his son, the son of the high priest that preserved Joash, the life of Joash, God is calling us to be like Jehoiada. To pay the price for the restoration of the body of Christ and to stand in the gap like he did. Oh, there's a lot of more. I am here to preach a shorter message, so unfortunately I cannot preach much longer. But there's so much significance in this pastor, in this passage with even the raising of the money and the fact that Jehoiada wasn't so keen about raising the money for the restoration. He probably knew there was things that were not right. That people were not willing to pay the price to speak the truth and love to one another. There was counterfeit love which ignores the truth. And there was counterfeit truth, which ignores the grace of God. But the word of God commands us to be those that have salt in ourselves and reprove one another. And also that we're to speak the truth in love. So when I am offended because there's a denominational mindset, am I to take revenge by not coming back to that church because they persecuted me or rejected me or looked down on me. God is calling us to do this, to stand in the gap. And what does that mean? That means to go to the very ones that have offended you and are in error and to still choose to love them even. If they hurt you more, that does not mean that we condone their sin. No, it means that we stand in the gap and reprove it by maintaining our integrity. And if God calls us to speak a word in his timing, to speak it at any cost, as the son of Jehoiada did in this passage, that will bring the true unity. And that is rooted in a true intimate relationship with God that comes out of the fear of God. Wherever you have movements that claim to be of God and all they have are prophets that are light and trivial and emphasize all this holy laughter and all this other stuff, 
which is fine. There's a place where God can move people with great joy. It says in the word of God, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. But those that seek the Lord first know what it is to be in utter awe of who he is to the place where the hardness in their heart is broken, where they know what it is to be in humility and contrition before God. And when there's that kind of reverence before God, because we see how great he is, out of love for him, he becomes exceedingly precious so that we do not treat him common. And then we do not treat one another in a common way. Counterfeit revival is light, it is shallow, it is trivial, it does not know anything of depth in holiness or repentance. And manifests a counterfeit joy that neglects mourning and contrition before God. It seeks identity in people and in leaders more than in a relationship with God. God is calling the body of Christ to humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Then he will heal them individually and corporately and also their land. One of the things we need to really repent of is control, which is rooted in seeking identity in leadership from the laity and in the leadership seeking admiration and identity in them more than in a relationship with God so that we violate our integrity. We fear rejection as leaders from the congregation and the congregation fears rejection from the leadership. And that's more important. And they've lost the fear of God when that fear rules. God is calling his people Yes, there are people like Jacob that have all kinds of deception in their lives, but Jacob became Israel. The word Jacob means deceiver. Israel means he shall be a prince of God. The deception must be unraveled in our lives individually. And God, if we are willing to, make our relationship with God first before others. Then, God can work in us like he worked in Jacob. A place of crisis where that identity and that deception, whatever it is in, is undone. And we are broken of our own ways and self-sufficiency and seeking to bring forth the purposes and glory of God individually and corporately. I had the experience where God led me to a denomination and I have such a vision for the end time move of God. Why would he lead me to a denomination? But God wanted me to appreciate the richness that was in this movement that is of God.
I experienced the pastor say basically this, that there's someone in the congregation that goes to other church services. And we were attacked by demons, me and my wife, and we believe that this person has a Jezebel spirit, an Ahab spirit, and something else, I forgot which it was, but there was three things. And uh, we're going to paint them with paint so they're exposed for who they are wherever they go. I was the only person in the, that congregation, which isn't a big one, that was going to another church. So everyone probably knew, thought it was me. I'm pretty sure. On top of it, they even prayed that the person would die in that meeting. I'll tell you. If you think I wanted to come back there again, I didn't want to ever come near there again. But when I got on my knees, the Lord said, you go to that pastor and you love that pastor and you love those people. And you tell them that you're not what you, what you're believe, I'm not what you're believing and do you realize that your people think it's me? And I ended up having a good relationship with that pastor and with that congregation. And that pastor acknowledged that he had made a mistake without naming me and what he had done. I remember him saying certain things before the congregation that made that very clear. Now, that's an example. What happened there is I was attacked by the powers of darkness that are behind denominationalism, which is not of God. And the only way that is overcome is when our relationship is more in him than it is in seeking to conform to a mold, which is denominationalism. We need to pay the price to become the bride that's pure and without spotless, to become repairers of the breach, to be those that stand in the gap. And so that is what God is saying here. Maintain the integrity of your relationship so that it is not. I know leaders that are highly looked up to, and yet I notice those same leaders that are very godly, spiritual people. God even gave me a dream showing me about certain ones that they really thought some of these big names that are out there that are on television were great men of God and they always seem to look up to them. And I thought to myself, man, how is it that you're so blind that you don't see all of these other things? To me, it was, am I saying I see more than them, that I'm better than them? No. They put me to shame with some of the things they have in their lives that I don't. That's just an area in their life that needed to be sanctified, but it's a dangerous area because they didn't see the folly of people building their own kingdoms and of the deception just because someone is up there and God's prospered them and they're doing well materially in other ways doesn't make them a man of God. We're never to acquaint godliness with material gain. How many people are doing that today? And they're so open to a gospel that talks about prosperity, but they are not open to hearing the preaching of the cross and holiness, and they're not open to humbling themselves before God on an ongoing basis in their relationship with God and with others. So that is the message that God is giving to the body of Christ today. 
Thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all.